Hello, everyone, and welcome back. It's the Full 40 with Chris and Rob, part of the Nova Insider Network. And the awards are finally here. Here we are. It's the 40s, everybody. And we are handing out theoretical bottles of malt liquor tonight. And I mean that very much theoretically. I could not find a 40 anywhere, but we will be handing them out theoretically. Rob and I, Brian and Rachel are all dressed up for the occasion. I am drinking some dirty martinis. Rob is yes. drinking his tealing. Rachel's got Pretty some usual. cider. And Brian has a water and a seven up. And seven up. And he's got it lit. So Rob, how are you doing tonight? And I'll pass that question after Rob to Brian and Rachel. I am doing quite well. It is award season, so always good to get dressed up, give the people what they want, break out the uh, the wedding attire, if you will. We've got another another usage coming up pretty soon in a couple of weeks, but I won't get a chance to rock my blue. I feel like the, the listeners can't really tell I've got a blue tux on, but anyway, I'm just excited for a, another use for it. But anyway, it's good bringing the, the kind of season a little bit to a close. I know technically we're not closing it off, but, uh, but it should be a fun one. For it's a good return of the 40s after a couple year hiatus. Yeah, a little hiatus. We actually delivered on our promise for once. Due to COVID. We're blaming on COVID. Yeah, Due to COVID, definitely. we could not COVID. do right, right. the virtual That's version it. of the 40s. <laughs> definitely, for sure. Brian, how you feeling? I feel uh, apathetic and lethargic, but <laughs> I'm happy to be here. I like red carpets and I like attention. So, like, this is all really exciting. Excellent. Rachel? I'm, I'm thrilled, guys. I, I'm drinking on a Monday. I told you guys earlier, feeling good with the outfit. It's like a gold sequin kind of moment that I'm definitely thinking about wearing out this weekend. So if anybody needs a fourth on their plans, let me know or needs an extra person. It's a great Gramercy outfit. You look great. Excellent. And Brian actually said a real name of a New York City village as opposed to a fake one, which is what he likes to do. Yeah. You mean we're not going to meet up in SoTri after this, guys? <laughs> <laughs> All right. Let's get into oh, it. And let's phenomenal. start. Let's start right away. Let's jump right into one of the main awards to hand out this season. Um, and we got a bunch. We got like 25 awards. We're going to fly through a lot of these. It's going to be a three hour podcast. Yeah. Chris it's going to be long. so many times we're going to fly through this and like two hours later, we're here. But that's we'll exactly right. But we are starting big. Bigly with the Shaq Fit Man Play of the Year. So we have a Shaq Fit Player of the Year. That'll come later. We have a Shaq Fit Man Play of the Year. And we're starting right off the bat, coming in hot. And the way I see it, Rob, there's two candidates that stand out above the rest to me. Yeah. One of them is the, and they're both by the same player, by the way. Brandon Slater. Brandon Slater is a Shaq fit man player and he is, and he brought the pain on a couple plays. Number one being this, the dunk at 
the pavilion versus Providence. He leveled somebody, got called, got the end one call and just absolutely flew through the air to throw down a hammer dunk that sent the pavilion into mayhem. And then also he delivered the best block I've seen in a long time for at MSG in an electric environment at the semifinal game versus UConn. So at the, at the end of that game, by the way, so yeah. Rob, I, where do we stand here? What do we think? Who's going to get this? What play is going to get this award? Slater I was going to say we we know who we know who's getting the award. But again, to, for our listeners to be clear, this is not mean that Brandon Slater is the Shaq Fit Man Player of the Year. He just happens to have both nominees here. And like we talked about both these when they happened, I mean, there's a these are some big plays. We talked about this block as being one of the best blocks in the past several years arguably since Omari against West Virginia, Dante against Michigan, and Mikhail against Gonzaga. That was, that was a hell of a year looking back on it, obviously. <laughs> you um, think that, that was a good year? <laughs> yeah, that was, was an okay year. I've heard that. Yeah, was that was a good year. Watch that, was a, that was a good year. We should run that back. Um, uh, a lot of good culture there. Dante brought the culture. Um, anyway, <laughs> so <laughs> anyway. So look, those blocks were huge. Uh, for me, you know, when you've got a chance to put points on the board and you actually do that with the dunk, that to me is is a big thing. And especially at the point in the season that we were, Villanova going through a bit of a run at that point, going through the Big East. I'm talking about that game against Providence. That was our second game against Providence. That to me was kind of like a, a statement win looking back on it in addition to a couple other really solid wins that we had had another Providence win right before that. So that to me, putting points on the board, doing it really early in the game and setting that tone, I think to me, that's kind of where my head goes initially versus if I'm looking at UConn, Hey, look, obviously it's a block. You're preventing points. You're taking opponents points off the board. It's, you know, it was in the Big East tournament. Obviously, winning the Big East tournament's a big deal. That, to me, I think the the stakes, it's weird to say it, but I feel like the stakes were almost a little bit lower <laughs> at that point, even though it was in the postseason. So I was valuing the regular season and the wins at that point a little bit more. So I think I think my head's a little bit on, I'm probably leaning towards the dunk at this point, I want to say. I like it. I like it. One note for the block is that we got a real video from Shaq Fit himself. And it's Josh true. Shackleton did record a video to say the Slater block. It also came in a postseason game, critical postseason game, um, at a critical or more critical moment in the game, in that it was later on towards the back end of that game. It was almost like a game saving block, not a game saving, if you will, but you get my point. Um, versus the dunk was early in the game, more of a tone setter um, yeah. against Providence. Ultimately, though, with the end one. And the tone that it's set for the game, the fact that it was at the pavilion mixes in there. I like that. We haven't had like a good rim rocker in a while, kind of got all the fans energized and on their feet and into that game. I yeah. agree with you. And I think we hand the 40 to the dunk. There it is. The first, award is. Has the, been first out. the first 40 has been handed out. Brandon Slater gets it. We knew that. Um, but Slater's dunk. Versus Providence is the Shaq Fit Man Play of the Year. Brian, Rachel, how do we feel about that? 
I like the dunk is the answer strictly because when you look back at highlights, you really have the context that you two just went through for the highlight. It's what you see. So seeing the Slater dunk five years from now is going to be a little bit cooler than the block. You want the context of the playoffs. Um, I liked it Slater one. I think we left everybody on the edge there. We weren't sure who was going to physically get the trophy. Um, <laughs> that was nice, but I, I think you guys came to the right conclusion. Excellent. Rachel, you're on mute. So yeah, sorry. I like, <laughs> I like it. Um, I, I do struggle with the fact that, you know, Shaq fit didn't weigh in on the dunk. Shaq fit weighed in on the, on the block. Maybe he didn't like the dunk. Maybe he didn't like Slater. I don't know. Well, unfortunately um, he doesn't get a vote. Does he? He doesn't. He <laughs> we doesn't. just name it after him. He doesn't get I a mean, vote. It's just evidence. It's just hard evidence that you guys are wrong, but that's fine. Um, no, <laughs> No, it's, no, I, I agree. I think, I think the dunk was the more explosive play. I agree with Brian's point that if you look back at the highlight clip five years from now, you're going to remember the dunk probably on its own. It stands, it stands above, above the rest. It's, it's the, it's the cream. It's rising to the top. I like it. Just like Slater did. I like it. All right. We got 140 handed out guys. Now we got a lot more to get through. So let's, so let's jump into it. And we're going to do a little bit of a rotating thing. We're just going to, we have some awards planned, some that might not be planned, um, but we're going to kind of roll through this episode as we go. Uh, so, so Brian, Rachel, Rob, you guys shout out the award you want us to do next and let's, let's just keep it going. All right. Let's go with the Dwayne Anderson breakout player of the year. Oh, wow. Another main award. So, so we have, we have a couple categories of awards. We have the main, the main awards, we have some cultural awards. We have some. We have some season awards. But this is another main one. So getting into a big one right away. So the defensive. The, the sorry. The Dwayne Anderson breakout player of the year. And our nominations for this for this uh, award and why it was named after Dwayne Anderson is Dwayne Anderson famously broke out during his junior season um, and went from really a bench guy to a key component of a sweet 16 and follow that on with a final four year. And now he's an assistant coach on our bench. Um, but the nominees for the breakout player of the year are Eric Dixon and Dix. Brandon Slater. That's what we got. Those two guys broke out big seasons, big contributors. They were kind of more unknown going into this season and they broke out this year. And so that why they got the nominee uh, for this special Dwayne Anderson award. Rob, yeah. what are your thoughts? And I, well, I think what's interesting about Slater is, you know, prior to probably the last month and a half of the season, I don't even think he'd be in consideration for it, but he obviously came on so strong and played really clutch down the stretch. And, you know, we talked about just how consistent he was playing game in and game out that he obviously he did a lot to, to even be considered on that. So he should be honored to be considered. I mean, look, Eric Dixon, we've been, big on all year and he has been he showed up early in the season and we thought oh maybe you know is it going to be able to hold this and he absolutely did he, he was able to carry this throughout the end of the year even dealing with you know some injuries and illness different things like that and I think he's he's only got a ton of upside left which is crazy with the number of years of eligibility he has you know we'll see if he he makes it through all those years of eligibility um but it's, I mean, look, they, they offer different roles. I think if I'm, if I'm voting, I think Dixon gets my nod just based on the breadth of work. He was there. And I think he came um, basically, you know, from really not playing at all to 
not just playing, but being one of the primary contributors. And I think because of the consistency throughout the year and because of how important a role he played on this team, I think he gets a slight nod over Slater, who I think came on a little bit later in the season, obviously played an important role, but just doesn't quite get it done for me. I like it. I think if you went into the season, as we went into the season, the noise, if you will, was all around Brandon Slater. Brandon Slater, palpable. I remember John Rothstein said palpable buzz around Brandon Slater on the main line, blah, blah, blah. There was a lot of conversation. Came out really hot out the gate. It was breezily crazy, whatever. I really think Dixon's been steady throughout the season. He had one bad stretch, and that was when he was sick in Madison Square Garden, and he still uh, came up big in a couple games there. I am all in on the Dixon train. I, I actually, I appreciate everything you said about Slater and what he contributed. Um, and I agree that he did have a breakout season. I think he's rightfully nominated. Uh, but to me, this is a, this is hard and fast. Eric Dixon is the Dwayne Anderson breakout player of the year. His development changed Villanova materially and made us a better team. So for me, obviously Slater was great. Eric Dixon was better. Moving oh, on. Moving on. Rob, do you want to pick one? Let's do, um, let's keep it in the same category and let's go the Josh Hart of a Lion Comeback Person of the Year Award, which is an interesting name. Obviously, I love Hart of a Lion play. Josh Hart was never really a comeback player per se, but I like the creativity. I didn't name it. So, hat tip to you guys for actually coming up with a name for it. So, our nominees for this one, we've got Three nominees is interesting. Uh, two players, one coach. First nominee, Caleb Daniels. Second nominee, Colin Gillespie. And our third non-player nominee, our first non-player nominee, Malik Waynes. Yeah. And I want to start with Malik Waynes here. Um, not, I don't think he's going to get my nod. But, but Malik is – the reason why he made the nominees for this list is that this guy was kind of like a wayward son. Malik Waynes, I don't think we've talked about this enough this year. It wasn't a narrative that got discussed enough. Um, but Malik came back to the program after leaving the program unceremoniously um, with, uh, in, after the 2011-2012 season, that very fraught 13 and 19 campaign. And Malik was a highly heralded recruit. He loved Villanova from the start. We got him very early on in the recruiting process, and he was all about Nova. And he came in with a class where you had uh, Dominic Cheek, who, who also um, left early. And after that season, you had Isaiah Armwood, um, who, who transferred out very early. And then you had, uh, and then you had Muftal Yaru, who's a good kid who actually stayed and played and, and saw, the next, uh, saw it through the next season um, as we got back into the tournament the following year. But that class really kind of went through some really challenging times in their freshman year. Um, they, they started out really hot and fell off and lost to St. Mary's in the, in the second round. In their sophomore year, they started out hot again and fell off bad and lost to George Mason in the first round. And then obviously ended with that 13 and 19 campaign and Malik kind of left the school. And, um, you know, after three years of spent eligibility, um, had a cup of coffee um, in the NBA for, I think maybe the Clippers stands out to me for just like a hot minute, Correct. Um, played a little bit, got hurt. Um, and then ultimately wound up this year back on Villanova's coaching staff while he also finished out his degree. And he spoke a lot about how he was so grateful to get the opportunity to go back to Villanova. And he was 
honored to be part of this program and kind of be back with the program and be a positive force. And I kind of really wanted just to call out that narrative that we didn't get an opportunity to really talk too much about as the season kind of got started and got hot and whatever. And I just think that's really cool. And so that's why that Malik cool. is nominated for this. That being said, the other two nominees are very compelling as well. Colin Gillespie, obviously, tore his MCL. Very, I mean, I don't think I'm telling anybody something they don't know. If it is, I don't know why you're listening to the podcast. Um, but tore his MCL at the end of last season, came back this year, and was obviously one of the best players in the country, third-team All-American, uh, Bob Cousy Award winner, uh, and also uh, Biggie's Player of the Year. So Colin Gillespie had an amazing comeback story, if you will. But for me, the winner is Caleb Daniels. Uh, he had uh, he had an interesting uh, start with the program the uh, previous year, um, sat out because of transferring during the 1920 uh, campaign. During the 2021 campaign, had a good start, then got COVID, and then played really kind of poorly, if we're being honest, down the stretch. And kind of got dogged really hard by the fan base at the end of the season uh, after Colin went down versus Baylor. Uh, I'm sorry versus Creighton, but Caleb had a rough game, a couple turnovers, uh, just like a rough game versus Baylor in the Sweet 16 game last year. Got dogged really hard by the fan base. We later found out he had myocarditis. Um, he, uh, he couldn't play for some time, and he really was hurt by having COVID. He comes back this year, gets his feet under him early in the season, and then is, has an electric campaign, one of our most important players um, throughout the entire season. So, Rob, for me, uh, I really think Caleb is the comeback person of the year for this team. Yeah, I, I want to add too much more to it, other than the fact that I, I think relative to where they were, like Colin, yes, obviously like a torn MCL is, I don't want to downplay it, but, you know, Every everyone pretty much expected him to be back, which is kind of crazy, and that's I guess how far medicines come. But we knew we knew kind of what we were getting with Colin, so it was like, all right, like he was great before, like we're confident he's going to be great, even if he's not quite as quick off the off the dribble. Caleb, like you said, I think was coming from a bit of a lower floor, and the way he was able to step into that, especially gradually throughout the season, and play such a critical role for this team down the stretch just contributing game in and game out. I think you got to give it to him. So Caleb absolutely gets my nod as well. Boom. Done. There you go. Boom. Another was, award. was Malik eligible because he broke his nose in that one tournament game. And then he was on the bench the next game. Cause he came back to the bench. I don't know <laughs> if that's why he was on. Uh, no, no, no. I think I gave the, the full explanation. It of was why the, it was the whole, I wasn't sure which one. It was the whole saga. Yeah. It was the Malik Wayne <laughs> saga. 10 plus years in the making. All right, let's move on to another award. I want to move off of the main awards. Um, we've given out three of them so far. Um, we got to come back to some of them later. I want to go with best game. So we're in the Villanova mm -hmm. season award. And um, let's just rapid fire some of the games that come to your, to, to my mind. Um, we mentioned it already. Providence at the dunk, um, to me, is a good nominee uh, for game of the year. Yeah. Um... Obviously, we talked about also in the Slater one, UConn at, at MSG, huge with the electric Big East atmosphere, UConn fan back in the garden, two heavyweight Titans battling it out. A pretty awesome one there. 
Um, I liked both Seton Hall games because those fans are fun to interact with on Twitter. So I don't, I can't spe- specifically remember which one I like better, but I liked them both. Okay. Um, I'll throw out the Houston Elite Eight game. I don't know, maybe the game that we made the Final Four with uh, might have been game of the year. Good one. I think Pretty good. For, for me, yeah, I'm here. I think for me, it's a tie between um, UConn at MSG and the Providence at the dunk. Both of those games had such elite atmospheres. Like I was at home on the couch and I was like, you know, I wasn't actually on the couch because I couldn't sit down. Like I was so amped just from watching what was happening. If I was there, my beer probably would have been all over the people in front of me. Like I would have, you know what I mean? Like those games were electric and like, I know Brian's going to shit on this because it's kind of big East homery, but uh, like, that's what you want, right? Like, that's what you want the biggies to be like again. And like, it kind of felt like we were almost getting there. So I, I think it's a tie for me, a toss up. I might go with the, the UConn game just because it meant we got a, another banner for the, for the pavilion, but man. I'm, I'm going, I like where you're going. I generally agree with what you're saying. I think Providence of the dunk, especially, I said this on the podcast when we had it, when it happened, was the first game in, you know, I think a couple years where I'd really been out of my seat, excited about it because it just seemed like such a huge game and a huge win for the team. And it was a top 10 matchup and it was just an, an epic back and forth game too. It's like really good game. Um, that one absolutely gets the nod for me and it gets the nod for me over the Houston game because I actually, it was a better game. Like it was a higher scoring game. It was more fun to watch. And Justin Moore didn't tear his Achilles tendon in the Providence game either. So there's. That. I was going to say the Houston Olympic game gets really hampered by the fact that Justin yeah, Moore like, his Achilles with a minute left. Yeah, it, it it probably gets the nod. Otherwise, you'd be like, oh yeah, we're going to the Final Four, but no. Yeah, yeah, I'm Providence at the dunk as well. Okay, I'm so we got two votes for Providence at the dunk. Rachel is Rachel is half half, half in for Providence at the dunk. I'm going to just go with the crowd here. I'm a man of the people. I'm going to stick with Providence to dunk. I think that was the turning point of the season. Um, That was the game that was like a show me moment for the Villanova Wildcats, where when you think of the early season struggles against top 10 opponents, we got it done and we iced the game and made the big shots down and big plays down the stretch. And that was really the first time that we had done so. And so for me, Providence at the dunk. The game of the year. Another 40 handed out. I don't know who we're going to hand that to. Maybe we'll give it to the Dunkin' Donuts Center. Um, I like it. The next Friar I see. I will. Buy a 40. Yeah. There you go. Should we go flip side? Worst game? Yeah. Let's just stick right there. Worst game of the year. Um, Definitely a bunch of nominations. Um, Yeah. I mean, UCLA, Baylor, Purdue. Those those are the three big ones, right? Those were the big ones you could have won. We obviously didn't win those in, in different ways. For me, it's Creighton away because mm. they weren't good. And it was the first time in the season where it was like, oh, we might not be good. Um, <laughs> yeah. That was probably the only time in the season I thought that, but I was like, okay, we're, this isn't a good team. Was my reaction. It was a Friday night, which felt weird. Usually we play Tuesdays or Thursdays. It was just yeah. getting cold outside. So for me, that's yeah. Rachel? Uh- I think I think I'm gonna have to go with Marquette at home because we are so good at home, you know. And yeah, like Marquette turned like Marquette started off okay, but turned out to be trash. That was good. Yeah. Um, that might be a little aggressive. Sorry, Marquette. Um, but turned out to like 
middle through the rest of the season. Like that was the highlight. And not only that, but I'm pretty sure that win broke one of like the longest active home win streaks. Like we hadn't lost at the fin in, or the pavilion. I don't know what we're calling it these days. Whatever. Trying to be cool. Like one of these Gen Z students, um, the fin, <laughs> um, but we hadn't lost. We hadn't really lost it there. My dog also yeah. doesn't like Gen Zers. Sorry, everyone. Um, but we hadn't lost there. I want to say in like 30 years. Okay, Brian, that's a little aggressive. But like, I think it was like a 30 something, like maybe close to 30 games. So like- It's been a while. Yeah, it was, I don't know. I saw that and I just kind of was like, that was like my, are you kidding me moment of like the season, so. Yeah, yeah. I I would also throw out Marquette away as another potential. Um, Yeah, I'm actually going with Marquette at home. I I am kind of on Rachel's board here uh, that that game really pissed me off. Like when, like- especially now that we have all the hindsight, like I think we thought we needed one of the UCLA Purdue Baylor games to like make a run in the tournament and like, you know, get a high enough seed and get where we wanted to go or whatever. And like, yeah, we could have gotten the one seed in the East, but the East was a fucking nightmare um, of a, of a bracket this year. So I think it kind of actually worked out to our fortune that we kind of lost those games, wound up in the South region, blah, 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 whatever rest of history for me, Marquette at home really upset me um in that in that it was it was the symptomatic of everything that we had done bad in those three early season losses of bad start good middle got up big salt and then let the lead walk away late and then it hit a bullshit buzzer uh, not buzzer beater but a bullshit end of game three that game sucked ass and so for me that was the worst game of the season all right, I'm not going to fight you too much on it because we've got a lot to cover. But I think you guys are forgetting just how terrible the Baylor game was. We scored 15 points in the first half. 15 points. We Rob, I also got 30, COVID at the game watch. Watching that game. Points. So yeah, like... there you go. We scored 36 points the entire game. Like I understand the significance of the other game, but that was easily the worst game of Villanova basketball I have ever seen. It was impressive. It was comically bad. Like it was crazy. 15 points. Good yeah. God. All right. All crazy. right. That, that's a pretty compelling case. Brian, where oh do you stand? God. I'll go Baylor of, of all of it. Oh, wow. We have a, we have a, we have an impasse. We have to give an award out guys. Yeah. We have to give an award out. So we got two Baylors and two Marquettes at home. Well, two yeah. rock, paper, scissors to decide. Me and Rachel. Me and Rachel. <laughs> Ready? Here's how we go. Wait, is it rock. on three? Rock, paper, scissors says shoot. Have you ever done things? Okay. Rock, paper, scissors, and on shoot, you put your you put your yeah. hand. All right, ready? I just like to make sure of the rules, Brian. Shut up. It's fair. It's fair. All right. All right. Rock, rock pa- paper, scissors, scissors says shoot. <laughs> Dude. Either of you shot. Well, I got I got scissors. No, there you go. There you go. You all right. All right. All right. So I'm scissors. That was the worst rock, paper, scissors of all time. So I'm yeah, also giving a 40 to where's rock, paper, scissors to that. Um, but that being said, Rob did have a scissors and Rachel, Rachel did have a paper. Therefore, the Baylor game is the winner. The Baylor game gets the 40s. Okay. Amazing. All right. All right. We need another award. Rachel, you got to pick one. I got to pick one. All right. Now, let's see. Uh, I think this one is fun. So I'm going to go with the 
no, 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 yes moment of the year. Oh, mm. yes. Very interesting. Um, so this was uh, nominated by this award category was nominated by Willie Law um, at Willie Law, who is one of my again, I've said this many times on Twitter, one of my favorite Twitter followers, um, Twitter follows, if you will. I think he's great. You guys should all follow at Willie Law. Um, he is referring to the call in 2018 when Bridges shot up just a shot from like 35 feet and, and drilled it. And on the call, um, I think it was Reggie Miller was like, no, no, yes, yes. <laughs> uh, and it was just an incredible call. So this goes to an award. This goes to the nominees for this award. You're to a, at the moment when it happened, you're like, I don't want this to happen. And then the good thing, the good result ended up happening. And so therefore that's a nominee. So there's a no, 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 yes. So, so I'm going to first nominate Chris Archidiacono let loose a three ball versus Seton Hall at the Wells Fargo Center with four minutes and 35 seconds left in the game, not in the first half, the game. Um, and, uh, and we were up two at the time. So it was a very critical possession. He drills the shot and puts us up five, which really ended up being a deciding factor in the game. This is the easiest award for me because I was at the game and I think I yelled, no, no. Oh, I don't think I yelled. Yes. I think it was no, no. Oh, so to me, that's, I had the reaction. That's the award. Um, how about the entire game versus St. John's at the Big East tournament? Uh, I mean, that, that, is, have... that is, that's pretty much the definition of this. I feel like it's <laughs> yeah. like, you're literally saying no the entire game. And you're like, oh yeah. Oh, okay, cool. We, yeah, we'll we won that one. We'll All take right. it. And then, wild. and then and then maybe not as good of a nominee um it's not going to win i'm just telegraph that right off the bat but jermaine samuels opened up the ohio state and michigan games with three-point shots which is not exactly how i expected the offense to run drilled both of them and set the tone early uh but definitely not how i expected it to go yeah. so so brian's in brian's got a vote already in the bucket for the chris archidiacono shot Rob, do you have much of a disagreement with that? No, I like that one. I'd roll with that. Rachel? You know, I think I'm the one who put that on the list. Uh, so I think I have to go with my own my own choice. I kind of made my bed. Uh, I just think, no offense to Chris. He's a great, he seems like a great guy. Never met him, but he seems nice. Um, but, you know, I just he didn't get a lot of minutes. So like when he would do things, I just, my initial reaction was just like, Oh no. So, you know, I think it has to win. I want to give an honorable mention to Chris. When we left the St. John's game at Madison square garden to get on the train, we watched the lead on our phones kind of go away. And he was reacting on the train each time he was refreshing the score. It's like 11 PM. And he was like, no, it's a five point game now. So I, that, that was, it was, it was hard to watch. He was very upset. Uh, it was yeah. nice. We won the game, but it was, we couldn't get a feed and it was delayed and buffering. It was tough. Super tough scene there, Brian. Good, good call. Yeah. I'm going with the Chris Archie Jack. No shot. So let's hand the 40 right. out and let's move on. Let's move on. Ooh, can we do nickname of the year? Yeah. Let's see that I one. Like so this, this is one. on the culture award. This is the culture award category, which you haven't had any yet. So maybe we knock up a couple here. Nickname okay. of the year. Go ahead. All right. Uh, I'm going to – I'll hold until 
what I think is going to win at the end. So we've got a couple for our man, Eric Dixon here. Easy E, which was, of course, Alan Ray's suggestion. Big Dicks, which is, of course, our suggestion. Probably our and also Alan game. Ray's suggestion, handedly. <laughs> yeah, he, he, wasn't, he wasn't too opposed. Um, we then, of course, have Germanuary, which I think Brian gets the nod for that one, for the, the creation of that one. It obviously played out well until the one and only Jermarch happened. And, I mean, I don't... I can't imagine there's a there's a whole lot of push on this one. It's got to be your March. It's just it just rolls off the tongue. It's so natural. Like I don't know why he hasn't been called that all year. Like it's just great. Your March. We sleep in Jermaine. Um, yeah, I don't know I, what that means, but yeah, sure. Never mind. Yeah, yeah. Read Twitter more often, Rob. John yeah, Austin, yeah. You got to spend your time on Twitter like the rest of them. Yeah. <laughs> sorry. Um, look to me, your March is. It's just a great nickname. I don't know why it happened or 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 or, or, or how it ha- or how it came to be, uh, but Jermarch is just a terrific nickname. Jermarch. Obviously, Easy E, Big Dicks were terrific. Germanuary was a good attempt, but the problem was the prophecy of Germanuary wasn't quite fulfilled until we got to Jermarch, and then it was very much fulfilled. Absolutely. And Jermaine Samuels obviously had a march to remember. Um, so for me, I think when you combine the production element of the player with the nickname and kind of the stupid ridiculousness of the nickname, like guys, we get it. We know that we're intentionally fucking ridiculous here at the full 40, like your March is the nickname of the year. Any disagreement? Only because I like Germanuary because it came from my brain, but the origin of it was you brought like eight pages to an episode talking about how Jermaine was about to have a very good February based on years past. And you had like data sheets and all that. I kind of like the origin of that, but I mean, Jermarch sounds better. So all full disclosure, I'll just vote. Jermarch sounds better. I too. Well, I mean, I was a really big fan of the big dicks. I just giggled every time somebody said it, but uh, I understand, right? Like I'm five in my, you know, I'm five. Let's be real. So are we. So, um, so it just, it just, and I, and I love when we brought it up with Alan Ray and how like, he was like, he thought it was hilarious, but then was like, I will not be calling him that. <laughs> yeah. So I do. I do like good memories, good memes, but uh, I will say the Jermarch Instagram reel <laughs> is like continuing to crush it. It's got like 1400 likes right now um it's probably one of our best performing posts so another data point for the win column there you go that's true case, that that's true. should just be the winner january february right. march i like yeah. it i love it i like okay. that you remember the script of the tiktok all right well let's let's stay with the culture awards and go with narrative of the year it's mm. gonna be really heavy on the two of you as you, yeah. as you create most of the narratives. That's right. We created narratives, baby. As the media, we are the media. As the media, and we make narratives, and we tell you what you should think. Yeah. And if you listen to us, you're the this fool. One... <laughs> so this one, this one, I think is also going to be pretty clear. But yeah, you rattle them off, Chris. Go for All it. All right. So bench minutes. How much did we talk about bench minutes this year, Rob? And how I mean, much did it not fucking matter at all because we made the final? Well, four? Uh, uh, until it did. Until it like, did. It did. It, it didn't matter until it did. Like, like, 
I mean, this, this is the answer. Like, it depends. It, it depends on how right much here. you thought this team should have advanced beyond the Final Four game. No, I mean, if you're thinking about narrative of the year, this was easily the most consistent narrative through the entire year. Yep. Everybody was on it. We pointed to a lot of deficiencies with it. It looked like we were going to get over it, and it looked like it went away for like a hot minute, and then it totally came back to bite us. And I've said this before. I've said it a million times. The 15-point loss or whatever we had in the Final Four doesn't reflect how that game played out, and you never know. Like a couple plays here or there shift the momentum of the game. I'm a big believer in a couple plays can shift things a lot. Bench minutes absolutely gets the nod for me because I do think this 100% impacted where we ended up this year. And we could have ended up in the championship. I don't know if we would have won, but I think we could have been there. So for me, look, I, I'd probably get there where you're at. But you should be there already. But but there's a couple other narratives. That yeah, what I are, the other narratives be. are just like, they, we need a couple of nominations. Up. They just don't stand up. We have a, a couple of nominations. First off, late game disappearing leads, getting leads, giving them back. Like that was a thing that happened all season long. We just talked about it on the podcast several times. Yeah, but it, but it, it kind of went away. That's what I'm my point. Like it, yeah. it like disappeared. The free throws. We were the greatest free throw shooting team of all time. I don't know how that's not like a thing that like sticks out as like a narrative. We didn't like, talk about it that much. We, we didn't, didn't talk, talk about, about it as much. But but we probably should have, right? Like but, like but we did. Missed we did. the boat, so it's not our narrative. We didn't. It's talk. not our narrative. Yeah. Now you're just now you're just making up history, Chris. No, there's this? these are narratives. This Revisionist the, history. This is our this narratives is not, for the podcast. Not no, that's not the name. That's not the name of the. This is the Villanova Culture Award narrative of the year. So therefore, it. <laughs> Brian's editing the world, guys. Brian's editing the podcast, editing the prep document in real time. To say narrative, I actually, did, I actually didn't edit that. That so was that was me. That was me. <laughs> Rob edits it in real time to change it to narrative of the podcast of the year. Okay, narrative of the podcast of the year. Benjamin is a clear winner. But if we're no, eliminating we the of the podcast thing, I think the free throws has to get enough. Does it not? We're the greatest free throw shooting team of all time, and I said we because I shot many free throws. It's, it's here's, not, here's a, it's not a narrative though. Who are the other best free throw shooting teams of all time? No one has any idea. <laughs> so it's yeah. something that only it was, like, it was like Harvard. It was yeah. Princeton because I remember know why? The because they're not major conference teams. Like too bad. Like now. That's what I'm saying. It's not it a was, relevant. It wasn't narrative. a narr- It wasn't a narrative though. It wasn't a narrative on anybody's radar. Like yeah, it got mentioned. It wasn't a narrative though. All right, fine. But what Eventually. was a narrative? What was a narrative that I personally enjoyed was the Eric Dixon lane violation good call situation that checks out and just to be contrarian because we did talk about bench minutes to the point that our listeners probably were like oh god they're talking about bench minutes again like come on new content yeah you know what i mean like but i just feel like eric dixon needs to get a little recognition for the number of lane violations he drew it was I've never seen that happen okay. before in a single season of college basketball oh, absolutely. in my entire lifetime. So 100%. I personally would vote for that. Uh, well, over bench minutes. Over bench minutes, just because I just think, like, it was just something that I personally have never seen somebody do on such a consistent basis. Fair. And we did talk about it at some, and I, I get that bench minutes will win because we talked about it the most. But mm-hmm. I just felt like I needed to, like, give a nod to Eric Dixon and his – we didn't, we were never able to do this, but we did 
consider trying to like track it game by game and then go back and see if anybody anywhere kept stats on it to see if he like had the highest lane violation. Yeah, I've, I've Googled it. I Googled it a little bit. I couldn't find anything anywhere. So, so it does, talk, I mean, like, we talk about a lot of stuff. Yeah. <laughs> we do. We talk we about, do. I don't remember that being talked about, but I believe that it was. But, but Chris being a stats guy, like we literally were on the verge or on the brink of like making up our own statistic for Eric Dixon. That's like, true. That's so true. I just like to throw that out there. Um, I think we keep track of it next year. It's a good, I, it's a I good think I like I'm it. Really we should busy. keep track of it. Yeah, I, we I should really keep track. Bench minutes is still getting the forty, though. I'm out. Bench minutes gets the forty. Let's move on. I'm out on tracking it. <laughs> Brian, it's like Brian's like, hey, <laughs> fuck you guys. Not happening. All right, let's let's go to the Woodford Reserve shot of the year, which is uh, an easy one to me, but I, there are some nominees worth discussing. Yeah, so let's talk about the nominees who aren't going to win. Um, we have the Brandon Slater free throws versus St. John's in the Big East tournament. We were down 64-63. The couple seconds left. Brandon Slater grabbed a key rebound, gets fouled, makes both free throws. We win the game. Big for morale. Could you imagine the villain of a season playing out had we not won that game? Probably would have been a three seed. What would have happened from there? Critical. Critical. Colin Gillespie hits a shot late versus Houston. Um, it was like his only field goal of the game or something like that. Just considering yeah. that, just throwing that out there. I think uh, Colin Gillespie also had a couple daggers versus Creighton, the Big East tournament. And then Eric Dixon has to get consideration for his three ball versus Ohio State in the uh, round of 32 game. That kind of iced that game, put us up eight in that game. Really also also known as Eric Dixon's Michael Jordan game. That's yeah. A flu game. The flu game. Sure. Sure. People say that. Sure. Man, many, people many, say, people many, say many, it. It's a, many, it's a narrative. Saying it. It's a narrative. And then and then the winner. <laughs> I don't think we need to spend too much time on it. But the Woodford Reserve shot of the year winner in my book is Colin Gillespie versus Providence at the dunk. Ding, ding, I don't ding. know if there's debate. No, bing bong. Yeah, absolutely. Because of the the Knicks, the bing bong. I like that. That's a narrative. Yeah, no, that's the winner. It's got to be. It's a winner. Without a doubt. All right. We really Um, do need a Woodford sponsorship at this point. Yeah, I don't know what that is, but yeah. So we talked about the no, 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 yes moment of the year. Let's talk about the yes, 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 no. Why? 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 We need a little bit of a downer for a second. Um, so the yes, 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 no moment of the year is just something fucking bullshit that we made up. Uh, that because we didn't make the other awards up; they they were established. <laughs> yeah, they were well known and established <laughs> yeah. awards in the Villanova sphere. Uh, but the yes, 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 no moment of the year is a game that's going super well, and then goes really bad. Um, so the nominees for that are Justin Moore uh, versus Houston and Colin Gillespie. Versus UConn at the Wells Fargo Center, where he hurt his knee late in that game. And I don't really know. This is going to be interesting because I don't know how you really give the award out for this one because it sucks. Uh, but what, get, what, what moment stands out to you, Rob? Like, which one do you give the 40 to? I don't know why we're talking. This, this is gross. I don't even want to talk about this. Give it to Justin and move on. It's terrible. It's bad karma. It's gross. Brian, Rachel? 
I'm gonna go Colin, but I don't want to debate it. Like Rob said, it's not fun. Um, Sweep this away. Move to me, on. Colin, it was earlier in the season, so it almost was like if this doesn't work out again, we don't have anything going forward. Justin's, you know, we're in the final four. What happens happens. Um, but I, they're both obviously not. I, I'm gonna go with the Justin Moore yeah. one, just because it's you know we were in the final four. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, I get that Colin's injury. If Colin had been injured earlier in the season would have been the season would be completely different. But if Justin had, you know, I just think those ceiling on this team dropped so quickly without Justin. So that's why I'm going to plus it just, my heart just breaks for him. Like we were so close and there was, there was literally 60 seconds left in the game. And it's like, how, like, just, I don't want to really want to talk about it either, but like, I'm going to give it to Justin. How many seconds uh, are in a minute? 60. Why did you say seconds? Jump up. Did I, what? Did you say a minute? You know what, Brian? I'm just saying, if you're going to You're wearing English, a tie with a polo shirt. Well, I, well, what's everyone else wearing? I thought we were going to talk about that. I got wore my nicest clothes, a golf shirt. True. This is a sports coat. I bought it at Neiman Marcus. Ever heard of it? <laughs> I it with American yeah, Express. Amazing. Chris, what's your you have a full white tie talk you look great what's your what's your look who, who are you wearing i'm wearing um enzo it's a custom clothes air i have an made enzo to suit. measure made Isn't to measure nice? yeah it actually has my name on the on the thing i did you yeah. get it as a as a groomsman gift uh it wasn't as a groomsman gift uh this is my wedding tux okay so i got one as a groomsman gift from the groom who had a wedding tux for how does your wife feel about you wearing your wedding tux on uh, the 40s? Um, my wife is happy because she's like any opportunity that you get to wear this tux that you spent a lot of money on um, is uh, basically reduces the individual wear value yes. of the Cross tux. For where we get you're, it. Fully, you're fully depreciating it. That's exactly correct. Good and enough. Rob, you're like the smooth guy at the bar after the wedding. So it's a tux, but you pulled the ripcord. What brand do you have? I got the same as Chris. I got an Enzo. This is also oh, nice. my wedding tux, but it's blue, which are, I don't think our listeners can appreciate it, which is unfortunate. I'll make sure people know. Oh, my sequin top is from Kohl's, everyone. I know you were wondering. There you go. Let's go, baby. Is, it the, Kohl, is it the Kohl's in Nolita or the Kohl's at that mall by the Tappan Zee Bridge? No, no, no. It's the Kohl's in Marlboro, New Jersey. I've been there. Well, it's Marlboro, New Jersey. <laughs> that's not a knock on Kohl's. I just don't go to the shop. Gotcha. Okay, this was our well, intervention by Kohl's. Let's go. Okay. Thank you, Cole. So, so, so let's let's go to a couple other. Let's go. Let's go off the beaten path a little bit here. Let's go to the Big East. What was the Big East narrative of the year? Can I go first, Brian? You go ahead. So the Big East narrative of the year, and it was you guys and all the nerds on Twitter during the first two weeks of the season in November when you guys like Big East beat all those big. And an SEC team was like, oh, my God, the Big East is so good. No one can hang with us, man. Gavit Games winner. As if anybody cares about the Gavit Games, nobody cares about games in November. It's like cheering for spring training baseball. The Big East was better than it was in the past, but it didn't become the best division or the best conference in the league, in the world, whatever. It was an okay year. You had one team in the Elite Eight, as usual, two teams in the Sweet 16, run-of-the-mill Big East year. That started out where all of you guys were so hyped. It was incredible to sort of watch it. I like it. I'll bring another one into the fold. The Providence is lucky 
narrative was, <laughs> that was fucking good. incredible that was very good. all season long it was the providence's lucky narrative and there were so many reasons why first off they were ranked number one and ken palm and luck for like the majority of the season second of all they had three critical games canceled they had their return game versus yukon canceled they had their away game at creighton canceled um, and then their away game at seton hall canceled but so they rescheduled three- georgetown they managed to reach which is the furthest from them they were able to figure that one out they got the georgetown game figured out but the providence is lucky narrative is fucking phenomenal providence fans saying ken palm is biased against them was was very ken palm is a fraud is a common thread in providence twitter yep that's so there's one more narrative that we just need to just get out there and it is georgetown's complete Collapse, demise. Is it even demise? Just, like collapse, like collapse epic, from like the eighties. Absolute they were epic, never... like oh and twenty foundational crumbling. Um, you know, I'm gonna vote for the Providence's lucky narrative just because nothing gives me more pleasure than watching a bunch of Providence fans get triggered on Twitter. But because it's be- between them and UConn, it's like Biggie's Twitter is probably undefeated. But um, we gotta we gotta just give give Patrick Ewing and his secret five year extension a shout out because three that's three years sorry three years is, is Georgetown a football school now? That's, uh, might be that's, oh god wins oh football, boy I believe wow. basically that's what they're I mean they might be a lacrosse school you know maybe too. a soccer school exorcist air school sure Rat, I mean for me went there for, for a me. semester. For me, this is it. This gets it. Based on our other narrative criteria, this one was consistent through the season. And it has staying power all the way through next year as well, too. And it brings me so much joy. So this one. This one oh, so you're going with Georgetown. Oh, you're going Georgetown? You're going oh, Georgetown? Yeah. Absolutely. Oh, wow. I am, I'm on the Providence is lucky. Yeah, it's the, it's best the Providence is lucky. Because we, yeah. Five, you're wrong. Your opinion is wrong. Impossible. As much as the look in any other season, Georgetown going 0 and 19 in the regular season and 0 and 20 overall in the Big East would have been and should have been the narrative of the year. But the Providence is lucky narrative was fucking incredible. It was just something that you lived every day and every yeah. day, day in and day out on Twitter, on everywhere. You couldn't get away from a Providence game without the lucky narrative. They fucking dressed up in their last game of the season in leprechaun clothes uh, because of their lucky narrative, like versus Creighton when they won the Big East regular season. Like that is the narrative of the year. All right. Well, let's dole it out and move on. I also invented a narrative that um, what's his name from St. Peter's, Shanine Holloway took a, a parallel job that Seton Hall and St. Peter's are about the same because they're both Catholic schools in New Jersey. No one's ever heard of. So that was my own narrative. <laughs> Well, they've been to the same amount of elite eights in the last 20 yeah, years. So I was just like, look, people outside of New Jersey don't know where these schools are. So, I, you know, for me, it's the same exit on the turnpike. All right. That's actually, I'm going to pick an award and I'm going to yeah. change it up and I'm going to insert a heart monitor alumni award. And we, we know who's going to win this award. It should be pretty quick, but yeah. I'm going to go with the perfect attendance award. And I think we all know based on Twitter for the last week and a half, who is going to get this. 
There's only one nominee. There's He's two. a shoe in. There's two nominees. There's two, two nominees. nominees. Oh, sorry. There's two nominees. <laughs> I thought you were joking. There's only two one nominees. guy. Well, there are two people who could technically qualify for this award, but there's one person who's going to win. And basically, Twitter freaked out when it started, it came to light that both Mikhail Bridges and Sadiq Bey had both played all 82 games. Not only played, started in all 82 games of the NBA regular season. 82 games is a lot of games. I'll give them that. Um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to vote for Mikhail just because every graphic from every Philadelphia-associated outlet and every ESPN, CBS Sports, all of that, just everybody was talking about the Mikhail perfect attendance narrative. Um, and I actually tweeted from the full 40 something about like perfect attendance record much, right? And like just ba- a banger to quote Chris, an absolute banger. It did bang. It did indeed bang. So, good tweet. You know, it was good tweet. Everybody loves Mikhail Bridges. And you love to see the guy making his way in the NBA. He's on the list. He was on the second, you know, second place to, you know, Marcus Smart for defensive player of the year. Obviously, obviously that's bullshit. The committee needs to. It was very big bullshit. Um, I mean, Mikhail Bridges played every game. How many games did Marcus Smart play? We don't know. But it wasn't. It wasn't. There's no way to to find out either. So got to check the attendance records. All right. So Rachel's got the uh, perfect attendance record. He's going to Mikhail. Sadiq Bey was the other nominee. I'll give a shout out to Sadiq Bey because his dad came on the podcast. <laughs> so I don't see Mikhail's parents. I don't see any Bridges who came on the podcast. Um, right. So I don't remember that if they did. Yeah. So to, to Brian's point, I mean, Sadiq Bey gets a gets a gets a nod at least here. But Mikhail's going to win the award here. He hasn't missed a game in like his entire collegiate and NBA career. So therefore. I think uh, Mikhail gets the award. Bob, you ready to move on? Let's move it on. All right. So we did a couple big East awards. Let's do funny moments of the year. What were the funniest moments of the year? Um, Rachel, go ahead. You, I know you, the top nominee for you is your is your personal favorite. Wait, hold on. I can't find this in the Google Doc. It's RJ uh, Cole's mom. Oh, yes. Okay. Sorry. Thanks. So yeah, this to me was just like laugh, like laugh out loud. I still smile when I think about it. So RJ Cole's mom went to the Yukon game at the Wells Fargo center and apparently had not very good seats. And apparently several of the Yukon families had not very good seats. Um, and if you've ever been to the Wells Fargo Center, you know that the upper level, the upper bowl is, is kind of far away. It's a little tough to see. You're definitely, your kid is not going to hear you cheering for him from all the way up in the upper bowl. And RJ Cole's mom basically started tweeting about how Nova did her dirty and gave her these horrible seats. And like, she couldn't wait to see if UConn did the same, yada, yada, yada. Needless to say, I still just think it was like, not only the funniest, but also somewhat like of the pettiest moment in the season. And I just, it struck like a little reality TV-esque chord in me that I just was like, yes, I'm here for it. So that is my nominee um, and my choice to be quite honest. Um, I I think for me, I'm going to go back to, since it didn't win narrative beer, I think it's fucking hilarious. Georgetown lost (laughs) the entire fucking 
Big East regular season. Absolutely hilarious. The demise of that program, the current status of that program just has to make you laugh. You know what? That's not a bad option. I might end up there, Rob. Um, I want to call out a couple other nominees. Colin's whole well done steak fiasco. Well done steak is good. Well done steak was a fucking nightmare. Wait, 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 wait. We can go more broad with that. Colin's entire NIL set is (laughs) fucking amazing. There was that. There was like the random, like, was it like the suit guy or something like that? There was also, also just another one. He recently did with Shake Shack. Shake Shack. He did Shake Shack. He did Shack. something with Shake hey, Shack. And you see no bites taken because Colin fucking hates that type of food. And it's not Shack-fit approved. No. It's not it. Shake Shack-fit. Yeah. Nope. Oh. Oh, boy. Um, for me, it was UConn not making it out of the first weekend. That was funny. That was fucking hysterical. <laughs> By the way, UConn yeah. fans have been in their feelings so fucking hard since that since that. Well, whole yeah, their whole their whole university under the transfer portal. They're losing like regular students to transfers. <laughs> so so yeah, the whole there entirety was a tweet, of UConn. Actually, is, that might be a good funny moment too. Is just UConn's entire team transferring yeah, because yeah. there was a good tweet that I saw and. I think oh we wait, we it. just for, we forgot the most obvious moment. Dan Hurley getting thrown out of the game like six oh my God. at UConn. That was a which was a terrible call, but it was very funny. Wow. That I was, was laughing my fucking ass. That was so I remember being like, it's just not fair, but it's funny. <laughs> <laughs> um the one I what I was gonna say though was uh was uh UConn there. I saw a tweet about uh UConn and it just was like breaking UConn's transferring the whole team. Is, yeah. just, and I just was like it just sent me. I was at work. I was pretty under stress, and I just was like, um, "The post game spaces that we hosted after we beat Providence at the dunk, when a million UConn fans joined that one too, and Providence and UConn's fans, I basically just stopped talking, and Providence and UConn's fans were just literally at each other's throats for like an hour and a half after we beat Providence at the dunk." Was was just incredible, incredible entertainment. But for me, I'm actually going to go with Rob's nominee, um, which is the Georgetown losing every single Big East game this year. Hilarious. That checks. Fucking hysterical. State of that program. Hilarious. Objectively hysterical. All right, we've got a bunch down. We're we're flying through this, so. So I, I, I want to move over. <laughs> Sorry, before we move on. Also making it funnier is the fact that George and I just fucking doubled down on it. it yeah, like, yeah, like, yeah, he's our man. Fuck it. He's, our, he's guy. our guy. We're not he's fucking firing. Yeah. Yeah, we're, we're good. We're good. They're building back better. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, right now. And then right he threw all of his assistants City. under the bus to essentially save his own job. Yeah, you got it, though. You got it. Clean yeah. house. That'll fix it. All right, let's keep it going. Um, so let's do, I want to hand out some awards on some culture facts here. Some some culture people, some culture things. I want to call out some people in the Villanova sphere. Um, let's go with the Villanova content provider of the year. Um, and we're not nominating ourselves here. Because um, so, we would win. Well, we hope we would win. a fair fight. I wouldn't vote for us. I'm... I'm pretty sure we would win because we come up with the awards and it's our podcast. So I would, I would have an issue if we didn't win that one. That would integrity be integrity is too important to me. I wouldn't just <laughs> big integrity guy. Yeah. All right. So the nominees 
uh, Emma Houghton and Pat Zeng um, from the State of the Nova Nation podcast. I think everyone knows them. Brendan Riley of VU Hoops, the, 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 the stat guy of Villanova. Uh, Tommy Godin of Big East Coast Bias. Um, I hosted a space with him. He's a great guy. Uh, Chris Nataro of Villanova Tip Time. Again, uh, brought the Tip Time program back. Part of the Nova Insider Network, too, by the way. Um, Curtis Sumter hosts the podcast Blue Blood on the main line uh, with the field of 68. And then there's also, I don't know his name, but there's the guy who does the interviews, who is featured on Barstool Nova um, quite a bit who made a late push uh, for the nomination here, did a great job interviewing Colin and Jermaine late. Mm, those are good. Those are they, good. Those were excellent. 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 But the problem is I just didn't see enough of him this year. Um, I wow. feel like if he was a consistent presence throughout the year, I feel like he might've gotten my nod. For me, the answer is Brendan Riley. Um, Brendan was on top of the stats the entire season um called out the called out the narrative put numbers to the page on a number of different things but the the bad starts and the bad finishes put that all on, on paper and kind of got it all together he always had stats at the ready uh for me look rob we're not we, we say we, we don't make mince words as to what we are we're like a culture podcast right like so we don't necessarily bring all the stats heat if you will and so for me, I look to a thing like that and say, Brendan Riley is the guy. So it's a, it's a fair point as a, as a culture podcast, I got to go with the one who's, who's bringing the culture, bringing the kids along, giving the people what they want. It may have been a late push. It may have been just a little bit of content, but interviewer guy on from Barstool Nova gets my nod. I mean, those are some great interviews. I loved it. It was innovative. It was new. It was fresh. It was on the TikTok, as the kids say. So, I mean, that's that's it. I, I'm not overthinking right. this one. I we love need it. tiebreakers. Got tiebreakers. I'm gonna vote um, for Emma and Pat because, like I said, I'm an integrity guy, and I've spoken to them in real life on Zoom. So that's my criteria. You've spoken to them virtually in real life. Emma yeah, and Pat, in by the IRL, way, IRL online. Emma and Pat, by the way, are my number two. Okay, well, they're my number one, so I don't... I'm just saying. Emma and Pat, don't worry. You're beloved by the full 40 pod all around. Um, I think I'm going to be the tiebreaker and the bad guy, and Brian's going to be upset, but I'm going to vote for the interview guy. Um, Wow. Wow. I, one, just like to make Brian upset. He's leaving, so good. Um, He literally (laughs) has walked away. We don't need a producer. We'll find a new guy next year. It's fine. Um, (laughs) No, 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 no. For the love of God. I'm sorry. Um, As much as I love Emma and Pat, um, my dog is making an entrance. Hold on a second. Um, As much as I love Emma and Pat, um, that guy with his interviews, I mean, again, I didn't see them very often, like you guys said, but he was funny. And like, I did get to see some things. Oh, Brian has brought back a wooden baseball bat. So I'm very glad that this is, and his hat is backwards. Can you put your address in the chat? <laughs> no, I'm <laughs> um, I love it. All right, fine. I'm good with that. Yeah, Let's that go interview guys. I just like the innovativeness, honestly. Like great. I like to be pushed to continue to have better content. So I'm going to say thank you to that man. And we're going to steal your idea. 
we couldn't nominate her because she's part of the full 40, but right. Tessa. I, oh, I wanted also to say did that. a great I job agree. with interviews. I, I just want to call that out. I also coming like back, that coming Tessa, back next year as well. A lot no more matter, no matter how much mansplaining happened to Tessa, she always kept her cool, which is what I appreciate. <laughs> oh my God. Holy cow. You're so right. Someone so tried right. to literally mansplain how like basketball works to her while she was conducting interviews about oh my basketball. God. And she was very polite about the whole thing. And I was like, good for you. Cause I probably would have like been like dropping some curse words and walking. Yeah, that was, that was very true. That's a good point. All right, Rob, I want to ask you this question. You get the unilateral vote. Who is the opponent Shaq fit player? The big East or doesn't have to be big East mm. across our opponents. Who is the most Shaq fit guy who you saw? Unilateral vote for you. Um, I think this one based purely, it's it's really tough. It's really tough. Um, but I wanted to give it to him because of consistency, because he's been Shaq fit from day one. He's one of those guys who you look around and you're like, man, this guy's still fucking in college. Paul Scruggs. Paul Scruggs has had an NBA body from day one, and he's still around. Not where I thought you were going to go, but I'll take Where do you it. think I was going to go, Sonogo? I thought you were going to go with Sonogo. Sonogo is my number two. But just the, the breadth of work. Paul Scruggs from day one, he walked on. I was like, man, that guy's got a body. And he still has a body. Sonogo, Sonogo's, Sonogo does have um, really interesting contrast. We talked about with his backup, too, who is not a Shaq fit. But Paul Scruggs gets it for me. All right. I like that. All right. We're going to go back to the culture awards. I want to hand my votes for Perry Ellis, who's still at Kansas. <laughs> yeah. Got him. Got his extra COVID years. Yeah. Got him, baby. All right. Villanova social media account of the year. A number of nominees here. Um, but, and they very wide ranging, very wide ranging, if I might say so. Um, Willie Law, who we already talked about before. We have Shawnees. Shawnees is a Villanova Twitter legend. Mm -hmm. She said that she didn't want to drink. She said, don't nominate me because I don't want to drink no malt liquor. Um, and don't worry. It's theoretical, Shawnees. So we're nominating you anyway. <laughs> if you um, DM us your address, though, we will mail you malt liquor. So be careful. <laughs> don't. Don't do that. Don't, 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 don't bother. Um, we're also going to nominate T-God's Burner. Um, T God's burner was just, just like a crazy thing. Kind of got out of his whole entire situation, kind of got out and people figured out who he was. It's a whole situation that played out late, but T God was one of our most loyal listeners participated on many spaces, just an electric person. Justin Moore is his profile picture. It's just, just an electric, electric personality on Twitter. Um, Sacatology is kind of like a lifetime award winner. Um, just always on point, always saying the funniest things. Um, Brendan Riley, who we already discussed. Um, Chris Lane, um, also a VU Hoops. Barstool Nova, I thought, had a good comeback year. Um, Barstool Nova had a couple bad years. I thought they were terrible for a while. The, the person who ran the account this year, plus you had an interview guy from Barstool Nova, and Barstool Nova had a good, had a good season. Uh, Daniel Oshefu. Had, had a great season on the Villanova Twitters. Um, and Trevor Corwer, also a uh, um, – he was a former Wildcat, Wildy Cat, uh, was, was always good with his good morning to uh, only Villanova and his tweets, always uh, like a legendary uh, tweeter a day of. Um, 
for me though, the winner of Villanova social media is Alan Ray. And I don't think it's particularly close. I just want to quickly, I want to give you my favorite and the best because they're different. Okay. The best, Alan Ray. No, no questions asked. My favorite is Shunnings. So yes. My favorite isn't the best one, but you're two different people. Who are we giving oh. our 40 ounces of malt liquor to? I think it goes to, I think it goes to A-Ray. A-Ray. Got to go to A-Ray. A-Ray. That one. Man was on fire from day Unanimous. one. Unanimous. There it is. Unanimous winner of the Villanova Social Account of the Year, Alan Ray. Maybe not his greatest award that he's ever won related <laughs> to basketball, but he's an award Close. nonetheless. The most recent. I, I hope it goes on his trophy wall. That'd be great. Great to send him a bottle of Colt 45. He puts it on the trophy wall. It's terrific. Oh, uh, God. All right. All right. Let's go back to the main awards. I want you the next man up bench player of the year award. And there's really three nominees. What are those? Because, what are those? because Jay that? didn't play anybody in the bench, um, as we previously discussed. Chris Archdiacono, Brian Antoine, and Jordan Longino um, are three nominees. And to me, the winner is Jordan Longino. I thought he yeah. really broke out right. as the season went on. And um, I wish he never got his uh, patella repaired surgically because maybe he could have played in the final four game after Justin Moore went down, but dude, you can't predict the future. That was one. I, I always wonder how much they regret that. They're like, are you fucking kidding me? Like famously know, pain management, famously pain management injury. You could manage through that pain. You can. You can. Um, yeah. It's on Gina. It's got me. I like it. Let's stick on the let's stick on the main awards and let's go up to the Scotty Reynolds bucket getter of the year. Scotty Reynolds famous bucket getter for Villanova, 2000 plus point score. An award named in his honor. Nominations: Justin Moore, Colin Gillespie, Jermaine Samuels and Caleb Daniels were our bucket getters. They were the guys who could find a way to get buckets when we needed them. Who to you is your bucket getter of the year? Jermaine Samuels for me, because the caveat he gave is when we needed it. So I felt like mm. a lot of our clutch baskets came from Jermaine. I don't know that he scored a lot early in games, but in, in close tight games, Jermaine or Colin had the ball. I was fine with it in any situation. So I go Jermaine, but I think everybody you nominated, there's a, an argument to be made for all. My award. I like. Yeah, yeah go ahead. All right, Rob, go. <laughs> I'm gonna. I like the Jermaine call. I like the Jermaine call. I was gonna go Collins, wow. but I think Brian swayed me a little bit. I think the clutchness of Jermaine and just the hustle down, down the stretch really does it for me. Guys, I'm I'm gonna hard disagree here, and I'm gonna expect to drag one of you along with me. This is not Jermaine Samuels. This is Justin Moore. Justin Moore was a guy who found a way way to get to the cup. They hit a tough shot with a hand in his face all season long. Justin Moore is your bucket getter of the year. He was the guy you put the ball in his hands and he finds a way to get to the cup, finds a way to score a tough basket, back you down, hit a shot with a three with a hand in your face. This guy was electric all season long. So you just said the same thing twice, like in the same way. And you said twice? You mean who? 
Did, did we name a month after him? He's not just March. Why after March? So I know Chris was hoping to drag one of us with him, but I actually was going to go with Colin. And I know that Colin is the obvious answer, but every time, every freaking fucking time, like we needed a basket. We needed a three. We needed a mid-range jumper. Colin came up. He had this like look in his eyes where he was like, I'm done fucking around and I'm going to win this fucking basketball game. Okay. Like, and you could see it. Like you could see it. You could see it on TV. You could see it. If you were at the game, like he just had this like sicko mode and he was just like, fuck you guys. I'm winning this game. Whether you're with me or not, like I'm getting to my dog's agreeing with me. He's like, I'm getting to like, I'm getting it. I'm getting this win. And so I, I gotta go with Colin. Like, Jermaine was great, but my thing with Jermaine is it wasn't until the end and Colin was that way all season long. We named it Germanuary because he wasn't necessarily living up to what we had expected at that point. So that is my counterpoint. And hopefully to drag some of you along to the Colin side of things. All right. I'm on the Colin train. Who else is coming? Who's? We're leaving the station. I think we got to rock, paper, scissors it. Chris, Brian, rock, paper, scissors. I, I don't play games. Rob? All right, I'll do forfeit. it. Oh, Brian's going to do it. Okay. Oh, Brian's doing it. Rock, paper, scissors, says shoot. Says shoot? What the <laughs> what fuck is that? We talked shoot. about the rules. This is says, no, no, shoot, no. You Long Island no. cheating scumbag. That is I didn't see what you put. Says, what you shoot? put? Says, he no. put paper. No, no. I don't even care about the All award. All right, fine. Redo. I don't trust people. Redo. 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 It'll be me versus Rob. What is that? Redo. It'll be me versus Rob. We're the designated. No, I'm heated. That was such a. I don't even know. What did you put? Did you put rock or did you put paper or scissors? Doesn't matter what I put. Scissors. What, I didn't put, cheat. He put paper. Matter. You put scissors. Yeah, ridiculous. Did you do the Brian's a sore loser, but it's oh, fine. no wonder why they'd be it's fucking sore losers. It's ridiculous. No, says shoot. Oh my god. Yo, okay. in Long Island, right. we say you says before this? we say stuff, says so people know so we be saying it right. Ridiculous. Absolutely not. All right, can we get an answer? We gotta get to an answer. It's you gotta redo it. You gotta redo it. We gotta redo it. I don't want right, to play it. Rock, paper, scissors, shoot. Okay. Rock, paper, scissors, shoot. Oh my God. Yeah. Rock, paper, paper, scissors, shoot. I can't see yours. Oh, you were so. It was scissors. It was scissors. We won. We that won. was bullshit. All right. It's Jermaine. Jermaine. That was bullshit. Just so you know. Probably. <sighs> All right. Let's stick on the main awards. I want to do the defensive playlist, the Mikhail Bridges defensive player of the year. Rachel mentioned it earlier. It was fucking bullshit that Marcus Smart won the award af, uh, above Mikhail Bridges, but neither here nor there. For the full 40, the award is named after Mikhail Bridges himself. We give, should we give it to Mikhail Bridges? <laughs> I wish we could give it to Mikhail Bridges, but we cannot. I mean, I mean we, we, we can. can. It we, has we to be. It for our awards. It shouldn't. We can't. I think we no. should. I think We're we should. Give, let's give Mikhail Bridges. I'm going Mikhail for Mikhail Bridges. Bridges. No, I'm let's going for Mikhail Bridges. Bridges the NBA Defensive Player of the Year award, and then let's give Mikhail Bridges Defensive Player of the Year award uh, to oh. either Justin Moore or Jermaine Samuels. Mikhail uh, is officially on the nominee list. So no, he's not. I'm voting for Mikhail Bridges. No, he's not. No, he's not. Stop editing shit last minute. We don't Stop have any that. nominees. No this nominees. is a hard one. <laughs> 
Justin Moore. Rob has now Jermaine deleted Samuels. the entire list of nominees. So <laughs> I'm going with Justin Moore. Yeah. I we played I would amazing be, I would be fucking split, defense. But yeah, I think we I think, played amazing fucking defense, and all of a sudden versus Kansas, when he doesn't play, we let up 81 points. That was like my deciding, yeah. Yeah, Justin Moore is my defensive player of the year. Jermaine Samuels gets a big shout out because Jermaine had to play the five sometimes and was fucking sick. He fucking dominated Adama Sinogo in the UConn game and MSG. Uh, But to me, uh, Justin Moore is your defensive player of the year. I'd also like to shout out Chris Archidiakono. No. He just did such a good job. No. On defense. Rob. I thought he did a nice job on defense when he played. Jermaine Samuels. Make a pick. I would go Jermaine. All right, so Rob went Jermaine. So now we're in a fucking toss up again. Well, now Rachel has again? to pick between Justin and Brian. Brian, you pick Justin. I'll pick someone. Justin, let's go. Rob, you idiot. <laughs> it was a narrative of it was it was a narrative they kept coming up about how Justin's defense was critical to the team. So it was it was like kind of silently great because Slater would have the standout plays or Dixon would have a great game. Jermaine would have a great game, but. Justin was sort of the constant professional there. We like never questioned his defense all season. So that's. I like it. I like it. All right. Hairdo of the year. So we're back to the culture. Yeah. Rob, do you want to lead this category? Yeah. So, so Justin Moore is actually gets three considerations. I think he could have actually had four. Um, there's Justin Moore starts off the season blonde with the beard. Then he went, which or sorry, went blonde with the long beard, which is just, the long beard was terrible, like really terrible. Then he went blonde, short beard slash no beard. I'm going to lump them together, which I thought was a much improved look. I'm a big fan of the blonde. Then he went postseason, late March, braids, and I think no facial hair at this point. Um, Those are the big ones. And then you've got Slater, who had kind of like the, I don't even know, almost like a ponytail thing sprouting. I don't know, something, whatever that was. Those were, those were the big ones. And then, and then somebody nominated me, but I don't think I compared to Justin. My nod goes to Justin, blonde hair, short slash no beard, I think was the killer look. I was disappointed when the blonde went away. I really liked it. I thought like, he came in with the beard. I thought the beard was just really, like, really terrible. Like, it was just messy. He cleaned it up. He kept blonde. I was all about it. And then they disappeared with the braids. But what are you going to do? The braids were fucking sick. Yeah, I agree. I, agree. Yeah, I, agree. I, thought, the, I thought the braids were like, I mean business. I'm ready to fuck people up for this. Fi- for this yeah, the braids were fucking run. so sick. Um, Brand Slater's, okay. Slater's hair was sick all year. Everyone else had the same haircut. Roughly, um, um, uh, my winner goes to uh, an interesting candidate here is a guy named Rob Dormish, um, who just you know the hair just looks incredible every fucking time that he gets up and plays a game, and right. so and so and so he survived a couple of scary moments. He had he had a guy who cut his beard the wrong way That's at one point in time, um, but he survived it, uh, played through the pain, if you will. And there's Rob with his perfect fucking hair. It's fucking 10 to 1 at night. He probably did his hair about 14 hours ago, and there he is. With I, I actually did my hair just for the podcast. You <laughs> just said you didn't. 
I know. So, but right. guys, I, I want to use this time to make an announcement. Um, the beard may be disappearing soon. I'm just, I'm just putting that out there into the, into the ether. So, wow. Are you going to your indictment? This is our first I've heard first. Yeah, you've heard it here first on the full 40. We're breaking news. Is this breaking a Nicole news that matters. push? This is a no, no, this is a Rob push. Are you going to be on a wanted poster and you want to be able to hide easier? What's the... Well, I mean, I'm going to commit a crime soon, so therefore I need to be able to shave quickly and just, you know, become a new person, basically. That's my there goal. Go. There you go. Yeah. Yeah, because you'll look so different. Rob, between that so and the conversation that you and I and Nicole had during the St. John's game about you wanted to go with a messier hair look, I don't know. It's like, true. Rob wasn't carded at his liquor store recently, so he's like needs a younger look. Very true. Very um, true. All right. No, real talk though. Um, so uh, I'm going to go Justin Moore's braids. I love that hairdo. Brian, I like you remove the tie. Uh, <laughs> More casual now. Remove the tie. He's just fisting goldfish right now. I'm eating seafood. <laughs> Rachel, I need we need a tie break here. I I told you what I my vote. I I'm a I'm a Justin Moore Braves, Braves. Braves girl. Like I thought that what was, was your like, vote, Chris? That was, that was mine. Okay. I don't have a preference, so if you're all in agreement. Right. Justin Moore Braves, done. Hand of the year. All right. So with that, we have a couple. Well, we're at our we last two. We're almost done. I think we're just about done here. All right. Our big ones. Are we at? No, we have. Oh, hold on. I'm just checking through the list here. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's just those two. All right. The moment you've all been waiting for. We have the moment that we've all been waiting for. The two big awards. First, we'll go with the Shaq Fit Man of the Year. So we did the Shaq Fit Man Play of the Year. But the Shaq Fit Man of the Year, this award goes to the player on Villanova basketball who emulates Shaq fittedness, um, who, who brings it, brings the effort, brings the physical strength and the imposition, if you will, and really emulates all of that Shaq fitness <coughs> all throughout the season. Um, and, and so that's kind of the point of the award. We consider a bunch of nominees but to me, and I think I speak for everybody when I say this, Jermaine Samuels is the Shaq fit man of the year. He is physically strong. He got to play multiple positions, played defense at every position on the court. We talked about his defensive prowess earlier. Um, he guarded Adama Sunogo. Um, he guarded everybody you could ever ask for. He put up some big time Shaq fit plays this year and throughout his career. Uh, this guy just always kind of had um, a nose for the ball. He played awesome. He was Jermarch in the end of the season. And for that, all of those reasons combined, Jermaine Samuels is the Shaq fit man of the year. Anything else to add there, Rob? Uh, I don't think so. I mean, you covered it pretty well. He's uh, It's a well-deserved award. We were looking for and expecting a lot from Jermaine coming into the year, especially when it comes to this category. And I think he just absolutely encapsulated it. Yes, he didn't get nominated or make the finals for the play of the year, but I don't think that 
takes away at all from his candidacy here. A well-deserving award for Jermaine. Yep. Okay. Nothing, nothing to add. That's, that's all. I agree. Amazing. Okay. We have the final award. And this award is called the Arf Arf Alpha Dog of the Year. This award goes to the team's greatest leader, the, the, the player of the year, if you will. The guy who really stirs the drink, the guy who, who makes the tough plays, who leads the team in tough moments, who drives the team to success and victory and glory and all of the things above. The guy who takes over when it matters the ARF, ARF, Alpha Dog of the Year. And I think it's kind of obvious who we all know it is, but that award goes to none other than Brian Antoine. 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 <laughs> I was going to say that too, damn. That was a good co-joke there, right? There. <laughs> uh, but this, this award goes to Colin Gillespie. Yeah. Um, Absolutely. And there's just not enough that you can say about Colin Gillespie. We talked about Biggie's Player of the Year, we talked about third team All-American. We talked about Bob Cousy award winner. There, Colin Gillespie was just everything for this program. Book ended his career as a Jermaine um, with final four runs, was a key player on the 2018 team, on the 2019 team, um, you know, kind of was a, was a key player on that team as well. 20 saw a season get cut short because of COVID. 21 saw a season get cut short because of the MCL. But there was no doubt in the 20 season, the 21 season, or this season, who the leader of the Villanova Wildcats was. That was Colin Gillespie, the guy who everyone, everyone across the Big East on Big East Twitter or whatever it may be, says, I will literally watch him graduate so that I can make sure that he doesn't have to play a game against us again. Colin Gillespie is that guy. He's that dude. He is the guy. He is Mr. Villanova. And he is the full 40 ARF, ARF alpha dog of the year. Well said. Well, said. well friends, there you have it. The 40s are complete. We're through. We did the award show. Fifth annual. The fifth annual, the third time we've ever done it, but the fifth annual 40s um, are complete. Rob, Rob, anything else do you want to add about this year? I mean, I don't know. It was it was quite a journey of a year. Um, you know, the way the expectations started off sky high for this team came kind of cratering back down at, you know, end of December-ish time frame. And look where we ended up. And I guess it's it's obviously been a fun ride from a fan perspective. You know, it was great having all the fans back in the arena this year and being able to watch Nova go for such a long ride and then obviously be there and be along for the ride was been has been an absolute blast. So um, definitely a good kind of first year back, if you will. Um, and again, a good reminder for Nova fans to just kind of be patient and see how the season plays out. Though I will say, we're setting the expectations very high and people need to keep themselves in check for next year already. It's going to be a different year next year for sure. Very um, no Colin, different. no Jermaine, like need to kind of check the expectations at the door, but will, will there be a transfer? All, Won't there be a transfer? We don't know. Who knows? Who knows? Probably not. Um, but anyway, it's just been a blast. And obviously thanks to all of our listeners for coming along for the ride. We're going to keep bringing some episodes along. Um, as we follow the transfer portal, um, 
and I guess kind of close up the season. Though we don't have anybody going in the draft this year, so there's not a not a whole lot to talk about. But we'll, we'll do our best Alan to keep you entertained. Alan's on draft boards, apparently. Alan's on second round draft boards. Is he? Is he? Okay. Is. According to Twitter. According to Twitter, Rachel. Um, what else you got? Anything else? Sarah? I mean, I would personally like to thank every single person who followed us. I know Chris was blowing up our group chat and telling us how close we were to 3,000. I never thought I was going to hear the end of it. And I was really worried I was going to have to like go on there and kind of like beg for followers on the side just so like he could feel fulfilled. Um, I also am now raising money to send Chris to social media rehab. Um, so, my, wife will contribute. my wife will contribute to that. So if anybody wants to uh, donate to our GoFundMe, um, call it a late birthday present to myself. Um, I don't you know, want to be responsible for Chris's Twitter addiction. <laughs> but truly, thank you for to everybody. Thank you to you guys for the opportunity. This has been really fun. Um, I think we've talked about amongst ourselves just like how much better this season um, turned out than we thought it would. Um, and so that's in large part to you guys for your hard work, but also to everybody who tuned in, who listened, who followed us on social, um, and just keep your eye out. Like you never know what we're going to do or when we're going to do it. We're wild cards. We don't know what we're going to do. We, yeah. We don't know what Very we're going to do or when we're going to do it. Brian. So to echo Rob's point on the season, sort of high expectations, didn't know if we were going to get there. It reminds me of a quote that I've always enjoyed from Ralph Waldo Emerson, the okay. creator of Where's we're Waldo going, Books. We're going deep um, cuts here. Yeah, he wrote the Where's Waldo Books. <laughs> Where's Waldo Books. But it's, yeah. it's not the destination, it's the journey. And I think this season kind of encompasses that, where we thought we were going to get to the Final Four. It sort of changed the season we ended up getting there. So thank you to our fifth-year guys great five years and it was really fun to be part of the podcast this year um i appreciated people that we tweeted with and people from the big east and and spending the weeks the weekends or the weeks or whatever with the three of you blokes and girl bloke rachel am i a blake is that like i don't know if there's a girl word for bloke i'll ask my i just made that that's my british guy (laughs) bloke all right Awesome. Thank you guys. Um, so look, I, I'm going to give a, I want to take a moment. We've said it on Twitter a number of times, but I got to shout out Brian and Rachel. Um, Rob and I posted on Twitter uh, seven, eight months ago at this point and said, guys, we don't know if this is a podcast can continue. Um, we really had a, we really had a, a moment where we were just like, we don't know. We literally do not know if we can keep this going. Um, Brian and Rachel and a couple other people stepped up and said, Hey, we're willing to help, and we and we really appreciated all of that. Um, we're really happy that Brian and Rachel joined the podcast this year uh, because they really changed uh, the tone and tenor of the podcast and allowed us to do some of the things that we've always wanted to do but couldn't figure out how to way to execute, figure out a way to have the time to do. Um, and they brought it. They brought it on social media. They created videos. They created snippets of videos. They created. Um, they created content for us and they always contributed something hilarious. And just to give you guys a little bit of insight into how the sausage is made, um, all four of us have equal say in that, what the content is that goes into every different episode of the podcast. Um, and Rachel and Brian brought it day in and day out. And you could tell that they were listeners from day one because they immediately knew kind of 
what we were going for with this podcast and knew to stay away from super analytical crap and people want to listen and have some fucking fun when they're talking about Villanova and college basketball overall. And these guys got it from day one. So I really have to thank them. Um, if I had to pick my most important players and most valuable players, it's, it's Brian and it's Brian and Rachel. You got to pick one though. So. No. <laughs> How about that? We'll, we'll rock, rock paper scissors for right it. now. Freedom. I'm not picking one. Stop the count. Stop Famous the count. said in all elections. Stop the count. As, Stop. as, 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 as people say in free and fair elections. Yes. Uh, so anyway, um, with we'll post the Twitter poll later. See who's, who's this, the social favorite. That's right. That's right. With all that being said, I also want to thank my co-host Rob. It was, who's been, who's been amazing um, all season long. He pushed us um, all season long to stay on track, kept me on track many times. Um, and I appreciate that as well. And I got to thank our listeners. Um, our following grew many times this year. We met a bunch of you um, on the run to the final four um, and at the final four and really appreciate it. Uh, we really appreciate all the interactions on Twitter, as, as Rachel previously mentioned. Um, but it's really been an incredible year. And we're looking forward to continue bringing you awesome content as we go forward. And we're going to be looking for different ways to go onward and upward um, with the full 40 and with the Nova Insider Network and everything that goes around it. So all of that being said, thank you, everybody, for listening, for following, for contributing, and everything that's in between. I really appreciate it. Thanks again. And as always, let's go Nova.